Hello, and welcome to the Green Book Commentaries. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. Episode 38, Developing Specificity in Chiropractic. Doctors of chiropractic and students of the same, welcome back. Across America and around the world, pisiforms are adjusting subluxations. Pressure upon people's spinal cords are being reduced. Quantity flow of innate mental impulse supply is being restored to factory setting. The result? Sick and suffering people can now be well. As chiropractors, we function as the electricians of the human body, restoring what was lost through the chiropractic adjustment. Each vertebra, an electric fuse. Each spinal nerve, an electric wire. The power to some part of the body becomes reduced. The organ begins to flicker as it struggles to perform its function. This abnormal state of function we term chiropractically dis-ease. As chiropractors, our role in providing service to the sick and suffering is to know where the subluxation is that is blocking the flow of life energy from the brain to the body. But knowing where to adjust only comprises 25% of our job. Knowing how to adjust the subluxation, when to adjust the subluxation, and when not to adjust the subluxation comprise the other 75% of our job. For you see, in the early years of chiropractic development, every joint of the body was believed to have been susceptible to subluxation. From sutures to scaphoids, chiropractors would adjust. Hearing pops and cracks excited both chiropractor and patient. Occasionally, some got well and kept the profession moving forward. In the early years, even as we have today, many moves were thrusted upon vertebrae, which were safe, which were dangerous. Many were discarded, few were peddled along, one developed into the specific adjustment. Knowing when to adjust a subluxation and when to leave it alone wasn't even a thought. 24 vertebrae adjusted up and down the spinal column, sometimes daily. How many adjustments were really necessary? Just because we heard the pops and the cracks, we all believed the vertebrae to have been subluxated. Knowing where to adjust, when to adjust, when to stop adjusting, and the most efficient method of adjusting, when such was necessary, is what makes chiropractic specific. Being specific puts chiropractic into the field of science. So what makes a vertebral subluxation what it is, rather than merely a misalignment, a non-allopathic lesion, or a somatic dysfunction? A vertebral subluxation has four elements. One, vertebral misalignment between correspondence above and below. Two, vertebral occlusion between correspondence above and below. Three, vertebral pressure upon spinal cord or nerves between its correspondence above and below. Four, interference with reduction of normal quantity flow 
of transmission of mental impulse supply from brain above to body below. In specific chiropractic work, vertebral misalignment and occlusion are confirmed using spinographs. Now, here is wisdom for the new chiropractor. A misalignment visualized on spinograph that even appears to occlude an opening for nerves does not always cause nerve pressure and interference. How can a chiropractor look at a spinograph and see, let's say, seven misalignments between occiput and sacrum and know which of the seven is an actual subluxation? The answer? Stick a meter on it. Adjust. See which one restored the normal quantity flow of electrical energy from brain to body. In specific chiropractic work, vertebral pressure and interference to transmission can only be scientifically verified if you stick a meter on the spine, just as an electrician sticks a meter on a fuse panel to know which fuse to work on. Applying the science of specific chiropractic, the average patient could maintain an adjustment for 23.9 days, restoring health faster, more complete, and more permanently. Now chiropractors, here is wisdom. Getting sick people well is not about the number of adjustments given, rather the amount of time in between adjustments, free of vertebral subluxation. The specific adjustment is a corrective procedure, not a treatment. Just as, a, just as the surgeon sets a dislocation, it is then up to the patient to care for the healing wound as innate gets the work. The surgeon did not heal the patient. Patient heals patient once interference to innate is corrected. The principle of chiropractic is 100% constant. A vertebral subluxation causes disease. The practice of chiropractic is 100% constant. The adjustment of a vertebral subluxation to correct subluxation is possible. The application of chiropractic is variable. Does a student chiropractor adjust as efficiently as one in practice 10 years? While there's something to be said about intent, application is of greater value. Imagine a screw that needs to be drilled into a metal frame. You can use a hammer and force it into metal frame, likely ruining screws, supportive threading, and metal frame in the force concussion of forces. Maybe you find a screwdriver and notice screw drives a bit easier into metal frame. Suppose now you even find that the screw is best suited using a Phillips head screwdriver rather than the flathead screwdriver from before. Now you're driving the screw more efficiently than before, aren't you? But suppose that you find a power tool screwdriver. More efficiently and completely is that screw secured to metal frame. Wouldn't you want to be so efficient? discarding inefficient methods aside? It is the intent of all chiropractors to help sick people get well. That is a constant. The application of that intent is what is a great variable. For the weakest link in our profession is the chiropractic adjustment. 
We begin our reading from volume 25, page 340, Frequency of Adjusting. Frequency, like acute and chronic, has a double meaning. Frequency as to number of places, also as to repetition of one place. The chiropractic principle and practice premises on the hypothesis that a concussion of forces accidentally applied produces vertebral subluxation. A concussion of forces intentionally applied reduces vertebral subluxation. A concussion of forces is an external force trying to enter to destroy, where an internal force resists its invasion to preserve. D.D. Palmer's chiropractic was based on the singular of A, vertebral subluxation causes dis-ease. Our practice, however, has run the gauntlet. Anywhere from 24 movable vertebrae daily, skull sutures, muscles, sacrum, to one or more vertebrae every 10 or 15 minutes. If the principle be right, somewhere lies the right practice. Is it skull sutures? Is it 24 vertebrae? Is it sacrum? Is it muscles? Is it one vertebra many times? Is it majors and minors? Is it Merrick system? Is it one specific? A vertebral subluxation has four elements. A, a vertebral misalignment between its correspondence above and below. B, a vertebral occlusion between its correspondence above and below. C, a vertebral pressure upon spinal cord or nerves between its correspondence above and below. D, and an interference with reduction of normal quantity flow of transmission of mental impulse supply from brain above to body below. Four elements must be present to be a vertebral subluxation. Four elements must be corrected to be a vertebral adjustment. Adjustment can, only, can be given only where four elements are present. Adjustment can be given only at a place and to those conditions which act as the cause of dis-ease. Only place where all four elements can be simultaneously existent is in the occipito-atlanto-axial region, at any and all other places, from skull to sacrum. One element exists, misalignment between vertebrae. If there can be an adjustment at only one area, what is done to other vertebrae? Research answers those questions and proves its case. You crack and pop bones. Move misalignments which cause no dis-ease. Neither do you correct any when you move them. Through years, all of us have believed them subluxations. Research proves they were not such. Every day, we cracked many and heard them pop. We occasionally and accidentally adjusted the right one at the right place in the right way, at the right time, and got a sufficient percentage of sick people well to keep the principle alive and the practice proving itself. Many a sick person has come in once, thought we were too rough, decided there was nothing in chiropractic, went home, never returned, and got well. Without knowing when to stop, he did stop at right time. Without knowing, we did the right thing at the right place in the right way, and patient got well. Had he returned day after day, 
we would have punched it in one day out the next, and kept on making him better, then worse, occasionally and accidentally getting a small percentage well, in spite of us, but generally failing on larger percentage because of us. If he returned day after day, we would have punched, and did, many from one side one day, other side next day, increasing and decreasing pressures at places where subluxations existed, doing no good on rest, where such did exist. The chiropractic principle being sound, to continue practicing it, then a concussion of forces produces a vertebral subluxation. How and where does a concussion of forces enter? What is the nature and locations of its means that create a vertebral subluxation? Must it always come as a violent shock, a violent fall, a violent accident, a violent injury? Or can it come in milder form? A person might fall on his feet, transmit concussion of forces from feet to where a vertebral subluxation was possible, occipito atlantal axial area, between feet and head. That concussion of forces might produce various vertebral misalignments none possessing four elements necessary to make it a vertebral subluxation, causing dis-ease. A person might get a blow in lumbar region, transmit concussion of forces from where it entered to where a vertebral subluxation could be reduced, the occipito-atlantal axial area. If atlas or axis are only vertebrae that can be subluxated, causing dis-ease, who is to say that some of these concussions of forces, delivered by chiropractor with corrective intent, do not actually produce what he used with intent to reduce? If atlas or axis be adjusted first, and he goes down the back punching other places, with concussions of forces, who is to say that some of these concussions of forces, delivered below, would not produce an atlas he had just reduced? Who is to say, having ignored atlas or axis, that some concussions of forces delivered below would not reduce it above, assuming he didn't do so direct before? This would place credit where it didn't belong. Where 6, 9, or 24 concussions delivered, almost simultaneously, up and down spine, via Merrick system, majors or minors, or what method have you? Who is to know what does what? where does what, or how does what where. How did we know we didn't jar one in at one place and jar another out at the next place? Each intent to be an adjustment had to be a concussion of forces to jar one in. Why couldn't it be a concussion and jar it out? Concussion of forces can enter to produce at any or many places. Therefore, they can enter to reduce at any or many places. There should be some way of knowing what we are doing, where we do it, when we do it. Knowing we can concentrate our attack on places needing and defending against attack at places not needing. Today, we have ways of knowing which is the one, of knowing which direction it is out, of knowing which direction to adjust it of knowing when to stop and leave it alone, of knowing when to do nothing, letting him get well. It is a radical departure based on difference between guessing at many places with a right principle 
and knowing where to adjust with a right practice. It took no little courage for us to repudiate 40 years of work. It will take no little courage for you to admit a better way. Suppose we asked you what you thought the temperature in this room was. Each would guess somewhere approximately around near what it possibly is. Suppose we looked at our thermometer, saw, we would know. It wouldn't take courage to be emphatic because thermometer gives correct answer. Suppose we asked each where you thought the vertebral subluxation was, causing dis-ease. Each would guess somewhere in spinal column, approximately between the head and below the sacrum. Suppose you looked at your meters, saw, you would know. You wouldn't take courage, it wouldn't take courage for you to be emphatic because meter gives correct answers. How often must a dislocation be set to set it? Is once enough? If so, why more than once? Would you work on a knee joint to set an elbow joint, merely because it cracked and popped? Would you work on toe joints to set an elbow joint, because they cracked and popped? If a vertebral subluxation is set, must it be continuously set day after day? If one vertebral subluxation needs adjusting, must we crack other vertebral joints because they crack and pop? Gross records since 1935 in the B.J. Palmer Chiropractic Clinic prove we adjust one vertebral subluxation once every 23.9 days. It is unavoidable that human beings do so. Correction. It is unavoidable that human beings do things which occasionally and accidentally throw them out again. But they don't keep throwing 24 of them out every day. It is a far cry between a 16-year gross average of once every 28.9 days to 24 every day. At one confined and defined area to above head to below sacrum. The entire issue resolves itself into differences between guessing and knowing. Some people would rather guess than know. It is the easier way. Other people would rather know than guess. This is the harder road to travel. We know we don't guess whether what we do, where we do it, as we do it, is right or wrong. <clears throat> we evaluate, calibrate, quantity flow between brain and body, between body and brain, through vertebral subluxation before and after adjustment, above and below vertebral subluxation, establishing exact location. Thus, know what is occurring as a result of what we do, where we do it, and how. No one disputes correctness of the chiropractic principle. No one disputes correctness of the chiropractic practice. But midway between a correct principle and a correct practice is a correct application, which can be right or wrong, right if it succeeds, wrong if it fails. The problem has always been one of law of percentage. That we have always gotten some cases well is obvious. That we have always failed to get some cases well is further obvious. That percentage of failure is greater than percentage of success is still further obvious. Harvey Lillard was first patient. He got well. We have been getting cases well ever since. We have also been failing on cases ever since. 
Many are content to rest on the, on the successes of their successes. No problem is solved when we are satisfied with a low percent of successes. No problem is solved until we solve our high percent of failures. The chiropractic principle in practice is so great that any person who confines his work to the backbone, no matter what he does or how he does it, is going to get a percent well. Failures are more important than successes if we use them to know why we failed. To get a low percent well and remain ignorant of how or why does not settle the problem. To fail to get a high percent well and remain ignorant of how or why does not settle the problem. We need to know why we succeed if, as, and when we do. We need to know why we fail if, as, and when we do. That is the purpose of research, to solve the problem of the unsolved. Chiropractic started in earlier years to be a principle and practice of adjusting vertebral subluxations to get sick people well. Since 1935, chiropractic has been and is going through a scientific development, disproving and proving theories, hypotheses of its principle and practices under which it has been working up to this period. Desiring to prove chiropractic other than a delusion, theory, or method to make a living with. To prove chiropractic a science, taking its place amongst and in the field of sciences, it is a question whether chiropractic has not outgrown itself as generally understood and known, has established a new understanding of man, greater than chiropractic itself, per se. If that be true, older horizons we once held on what chiropractic was must give way to new views in our knowledge of man and must accept in working with man for man. We have proved the fundamental principle sound. We have also proved the fundamental practice sound. We have invented a new fundamental basis for raising the quantity and quality of man. Man has conceived invented and patented many ideas and things which have materially improved the external welfare and his labors as they apply to conditions and things external to man. As man was capable, the capability of things man made was capable. A sick man is less capable and less able to do things than a healthy man. An insane man is less capable and less able to do sane things than a sane man. With man working materially below normal par level, his product would be materially decreased in quantity and quality. In getting a sick man well or an insane man sane, as a producer, we have stepped up his product that only a healthy or sane man could or would produce multiplying the step up of health and sanity in one man by many men we have increased increased the value of the human race to the human race in his products therefore chiropractic steps out beyond its starting point of desiring to get sick man well of increasing the value of the producer we have stepped up chiropractic to where it steps into increasing quantity and quality of everything man produces, skipping from chiropractic to product. Polygraph. 
A part of our research into the quantity of mental impulse nerve force flow includes a Keeler polygraph lie or truth detector. It takes out of the quantity and puts us into the field of proving or disproving superimposition of thought values into the carrier wave, which proves mental quality of the lie or truth, which, after all, proves or disproves thoughts are right or wrong. Polygraph proves duality of energy flows, educated and innate, both with something superimposed on each carrier wave we call education, intelligence, understanding, that discriminates between what is a fact and fiction, true or untrue, truth or lie, which medical men have called the message. One of these energy flows can lie, other cannot. The question, did you steal the $86.42 out of the purse? Dual impressions travel afferently, one to educated mind and educated brain, other to educated, uh, correction, other to innate mind and innate brain. Dual interpretations, one of lie in educated mind, one of truth in innate mind. Dual afferent carrier waves, one superimposed with lie message, other superimposed with truth message. Polygraph picks up both efferent carrier waves, superimposed with both messages, simultaneously on two different graphs, and deciphers the difference, discriminates lie from truth superimposition. Criminal traps himself. Our research has proved that man hears dually, thinks dually, functions dually, lives dually, has a distinct dual personality, has two carrier waves, has two characteristic, differing, efferent, and afferent carrier graph wave pattern cycles. Records prove that a living human body has two separate intellectual flows of energy. Each is efferent and afferent. Each has a degree of intelligence expressed. Our polygraph work simultaneously records both. Medical Hocus Pocus There is no business so fraught with guesswork, errors, and innocent deceptions as that of treating sick, with its rash promises of implied hopes of treating effects, cutting out pathologies, thinking such might get them well. The dangers are not those of malicious men, but those of misdirected systems they blindly create and stumblingly follow. Medicine is what it is, not because their motives are questionable, but because of the myths, mysteries, and moth-eaten methods, centuries inbreeding, which so fasten themselves into routine that none dare deviate. Beginning with asking patients for symptoms, which patient alone feels, which patient tells doctor, who repeats back to patient what patient told doctor, charging the case a fee for exchanging layman expressions of feeling into a jargon of Latin, never understood terms, with tapping and listening means and methods of observation of pathologies, hoping to be able on outside of patient's body to know what is inside. Doctor then separates and sorts correlates and divides, multiplies and mixes, his hopes and beliefs, 
and out of the jack-in-the-box education comes a compiled name called a diagnosis. After diagnosis comes U.S. Pharmacopoeia with its thousands of endorsed proper and ethical drug treatments, one or more which will be sorted out from many. The deluge of drugs prescribed any of which is an unknown quantity in any one person's body. Doctor follows name to book. Book tells what he should prescribe. No symptoms or pathology, no name. No name, no book. No book, no treatment. Diagnosis is important to a medical man. Without it, nothing can follow, for there is its beginning. Medicine is empirical, dogmatic, guesswork, a cut and try, by guess and by God prayer to the God Jupiter, that something works in devious and peculiar ways. If patient dies, it was the will of God. If he gets well, doctor takes credit. The battle of searching for cause of disease has gone on for centuries and still goes on relentlessly. Effects alone are observed. One effect becomes cause of another effects. Effects trail effects. No primary cause ever being found. Microscope is developed. It finds microscopic life. All else previously failing, this opens new studies. Germs cause disease is a new battle cry. They seek the enemy in his tissue layers. They find one. They tag him. They announce his arrival. They build a chemical gun to kill him. Killing the germ, the patient dies cured. They make another old repudiation and another new announcement. This in time and place is denied. And so the scale runs up and down year after year, century after century. Chemistry opens new fields. It finds new secretions, locates its organ. Out comes diet with vitamins, hormones, calories, etc. Then comes dotes, antidotes, vaccines, and anti-vaccines. Disease becomes animal, vegetable, and or chemical, everlastingly seeking, trailing, finding, and denying. All because something outside is said to agree or disagree with something inside. Many causes, many diseases, many studies, many treatments. Complexities pile on up complexities pile up on themselves itself until it is centuries top heavy, overburdening schools, professors, libraries, practitioners, bewildered, amazed, and living in a maze. None know where to turn, which way to go to win the struggle for healthful existence. It is a lar in a large sense, all professions have steadfastly persisted in following same guides. They make same approach, pursue same paths, mix same names, apply same stimulative or inhibitive treatment methods, with modifications as to necktie, parting hair, color of shoes, all of which brings sick man out of the same small end of human life funnel. Cases die. And when physicians are ready to shuffle off, all wonder what the struggle was all about. Chiropractic has been searching to get sickness out of mystery, to make health a simple study, to build all avenues of approach practical, eliminate guesswork, and secure positive knowledge. The B.J. Palmer Chiropractic Clinic does not diagnose any case. We ascribe 
no name too complex group of symptoms. Neither do we go on a fishing expedition on outside to direct us to think about what we hope is inside, that we might correlate or separate them into accepted names to go to a book, to apply treatments of effects that follow that name. With cause inside, cure inside. With cause practical and cure equally so, with a known specific cause for all dis-ease and a like specific for adjustment. Where the subluxation was, how, when, how, why, and where to adjust are all within reach of every man, if willing to think, study, apply mental faculties in solving age-old riddles of human beings. It is required as a foundation elimination of all variables and establishment of constants. As these have been done, man is an open book in sickness and health, life and death. Thank you for joining me for another episode. I'm Dr. Arthur Plessa. This has been the Green Book Commentaries.